This is one of my favorite masses because it's great to have parents and alum back. It's great to have the Carroll family in kind of her full force uh, here to worship this morning. It's also a morning mass, which I hardly ever get to do on Sunday, which means that you guys are the guinea pigs. So if this homily is terrible, I get to do it over at tonight at 7 o'clock, right? And so that's good for me. So buckle up because it might be good and it might not be good. Raise your hand if it's your first time having mass here in All Saints Chapel. Got a few? Okay, good. Those of you who are pros here, take a look around. Everybody take a look around for a second. Okay, so this is a 105-year-old building, but it's a five-year-old chapel. So on its 100th anniversary, this was rededicated, consecrated as a chapel dedicated to the worship of God. Before that, it was the gymnasium and all sorts of other things. So there's a great history, a great legacy to this. And we made some real, so first of all, we were kind of constrained by the building itself. I mean, we didn't create a new building. We were renovating a building, but in that renovation, there was so much intentionality. And that's what I want to preach about today. I remember, I'll tell this quick story. There was a student, he's no longer here, he's graduated, not a believer. And he came on one of our retreats and he pulled me aside and he said, Father, I got to tell you this. He goes, I don't really know about Christianity. I don't even know about religion. I don't even know about like the things of God, but I love being in the chapel. And I said, well, tell me why. And he said, I love architecture and I love the architecture of the chapel. And he said, and I was thinking this. So he came in one day and he was looking at the bolts on the trusses. He liked the bolts on the trusses. And he said, I remember thinking all those are very intentionally placed. And if those are so intentionally placed, maybe, just maybe, there's some order to the universe. And maybe, just maybe, this whole thing about God isn't so silly. I called the architect that day. And I told him, and the guy teared up. He said, that's exactly what I was hoping for. That someone would come in here and see the order and think about God. I love architecture. I have this good quote. Architecture is the built form of ideas. Okay, architecture is the built form of ideas. An architect conceives an idea and then he puts it into a building and it's the built form of something conceptual. That makes church architecture the built form of theology. So that the architecture in this chapel is meant to teach us about who God is. And so we made some very definite moves here. All right, this, I'm gonna leave my podium here. This could get dangerous, okay? So this chapel is meant to be directional. In fact, this is the center line right here. This line right here, this grout line runs through that all the way. It's the center line. We've opened the doors. You can see all the way through, in and out. There's a reason for that. We fought for that with some people who wanted a different vision of this chapel. Some people wanted it to be circular. I was like, no, we want it to be directional because we're trying to foster an encounter that we want everyone who walks in here to be led 
and led not to an idea, but to an actual person. So everything, even in the gathering space, is meant to point us, point us this way. And that's to meet Jesus Christ, who comes really and truly onto that altar in the gift of the Mass, in the real presence in the Eucharist, who abides with us in the tabernacle. Okay? But that's not the only thing. Because after we receive, then we're sent out. And I want to show you how this church architecture actually does that for us, helps us. And you wouldn't notice it. I'm, I'm almost betting no one has noticed it because it's actually in the tiles themselves, in these things. And we walk in and we're like, I don't know, oh, whatever, it looks nice. It looks nice, sure, it looks nice. But watch what happens here. Everything as we move this direction in this chapel is all a gift. It's all gift because the Christian life is all grace. We don't deserve it. We haven't done anything to earn it. But God, who's gracious to us, freely gives it. So we walk in and we encounter the font where we're baptized, where we're given the gift of divine life. We don't deserve that, but it's freely given. Right? And then we come to the altar and we don't deserve this. We don't deserve Jesus giving himself truly to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We don't deserve Jesus offering himself on the cross. We don't deserve any of that. It's all gift, okay? Watch how this tile communicates that. As you leave, if you can't see where you are, but if you can see, just turn. It's really wide at the start. It's really wide as you come in here. The tiles are wide. And then, after we receive that gift of the Eucharist, then it gets narrow, right? Everything gets narrow right here. And it's meant to point us. Don't think of this as like this constricting thing that's limiting to us. Think of, think of it more as uh, uh, St. Uh, John Henry Newman said, of a river with banks. Because a river without banks just meanders and wanders, and it doesn't do much. But a river with banks has power, and then we're directed. And it's narrow, yes. Is it narrow? Yes, because we are being brought somewhere. And then it widens back out again. It widens out to the same dimensions back there that are up here. And yet it's different because it's elevated, and we had that conversation too. People were saying, you can't have an elevated sanctuary. It's like, yeah, we're going to have an elevated sanctuary. And not just so you can see better, but because what happens here in the Mass is elevated. This is where heaven comes to earth. The heavenly realities. Jesus, who is not just a nice guy, a good moral teacher, but the second person of the Trinity, who gives himself to us in the Eucharist, to transform us, to change us. Is it elevated? Of course it is. And is it expansive? Of course it is, because God's love is great and wide. But we're brought to it. We're brought to it so it can change us. C.S. Lewis had a great line. He said, basically, the point of Christianity isn't to make us better men and women. 
the point of Christianity, the word became flesh to make us a new type of man or woman. Elevated the divine life within us. Okay, so far so good. Great, but now everything flips then. After we've been welcomed in, in this wide way, baptism is for everyone, anyone who wants to come into this divine life can receive it. After we're led here to this place where we're fed by the body and blood of Christ, after we're transformed and elevated that way, then everything flips, including this chapel. Because we're not meant to just come and sit. Christ sends us out. So from the width of the sanctuary and the elevated realities that we receive, then we're sent and with a direction, not meandering, not just like, oh, I don't know, I think I'll do whatever I want. No, the river has banks and the banks channel us and we go back out and then we get real wide again because the world needs saints because our mission is the whole world and every single person in the world. That's why it says over the balcony on the facade there, Matthew 10, 8, without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. See, this mission has urgency. That's why in the first reading, Prophet Amos says, woe to the complacent in Zion lounging on their couches, strumming their harps and drinking wine out of bowls. Woe to the complacent in Zion. The second reading, St. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, pursue righteousness, take hold of eternal life, compete well for the faith. Do you see the difference? We can all get lulled into a real complacency. Oh, I went to church. It's fine and good. That's not our faith. I went to church. I was drawn in by this passionate love that God has for us. A love so great that he comes down to earth. I was drawn in by that. I was channeled and fed by that to receive that life. But now I'm sent out. I go out. And that's the mission for all of us. We can't be complacent. We can't take it easy. We have to go and go with urgency. So without cost you have received. Without cost you are to give. St. Peter Chrysologus, he says, you will not be allowed to keep what you are unwilling to give to others. You will not be allowed to keep which you are unwilling to give to others. So if you find solace in your faith, and you should, if you find peace, and you should, if you find purpose, and you should, you have to give that to others. You have to. We have to. That's why the last thing, as someone leaves the chapel, again, remembering this goes from this elevated wideness to this directional movement to this wideness out to the world, to the whole world. The last thing you see as you leave this chapel are the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. To incarnate this love that has been incarnated for us here to put it into actual practice, to take care of the poor, 
to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, right? But also to give instruction to those who need it, to console the sorrowing, to be with people in their need. Friends, that for me is what makes our faith so dynamic. We're not an enclosed circle looking at each other. We're drawn into this power of God who loves us and says, come to me. And then we're sent out with that same power to bring his love and to bring him to the whole world. Archbishop Fulton Sheen had a great line, commentary. He said, the first word in the gospel is come. And the last word is go. Well, friends, we've come. Let's receive our Lord, but receive him well. So as we go, we can bring him to the whole world. And that's what it means to be saints.